your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. be seen tonight oh today is the day that we return after it's been about a year since our last anything we do this on about roughly every year or so apparently not on purpose yeah (laughs) yeah we started what with uh annie's uh annie's wacky christmas shenanigans and then we went to uh the classic 1980s annie and then uh, now we're finally moving into the modern era with um, uh, Annie 2014. Yes. Or as I called it on Twitter, 2014 Annie. Yeah. In, in uh, parentheses, because this feels like, it really feels like 2014, the movie. It it feels like a fond farewell to the Obama years and how, you know, and the long sleep yeah it really does i uh, watching this film i was just impressed with like oh man can you imagine going back to 2014 and just telling people like yeah storms are coming you know <laughs> um yeah this Remember is when just people the... wouldn't be howling for daddy Stax's head yeah <laughs> this was uh this was yeah the the end of um I just just uh just watching this this is like wow look every, everything is working every everything uh you know, God's on his throne and all is well with the universe. Yep. Um, and and uh, you know, even being an orphan looks like fun. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's it's definitely a very 2014 movie, not least of which because this is um, this is the black Annie, if yes. you weren't aware of that. Um, and I was wondering the whole time it was like, I feel like. I feel like that this, when it came out, like if it came out today, it would just, you know, you would have months of discourse on the internet with people just like enraged at the idea that Annie would be black. And um, I feel a like little, not much. Because I, I, the guys ex- who the guys who start that kind of discourse didn't watch Annie all the time as kids. Yeah, but you know, they they usually just lie and say that they did. Yeah. You know, but you understand I understand how important Shira was to me. <laughs> exactly, and the thing is, like, I feel like there was always anytime you kind of reboot a property and and uh, a race swap or whatever, yeah, um, you're always going to get some people mad about it. I mean, you just you just will. But I feel like in 2014 we hadn't reached this tipping point where there was like, you know, there was this uh, this media ecosystem that just required. Uh, constant outrage um i mean i'm sure it was there but like it wasn't quite you know it, it hadn't consumed everything yet yes. um was this i can't remember was 2014 pre-gamergate i think it was when gamergate was getting started yeah oh my god so this this literally is the end of the the big sleep 
<laughs> just or maybe, when... or maybe not getting started. I think it was actually I think it was starting to sort of coalesce into a bunch of other things, which is how we have Comics Gate and I don't know Jigsaw Puzzle Gate, whatever the hell. <laughs> yeah, there's there's too many gates. Please eliminate three. Yeah. Um, Especially Bill. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Daryl. Um, <laughs> now, hey, but uh, but unless when he's um. He's uh, teaching. He's serving as the uh, the advisor on Police Quest video games. What a really? terrible idea that was! Oh yeah, didn't God. they? I believe that like they actually did get Daryl Gates to uh, advise on like one of the Police Quest games, which is such was a this weird. Before anyone knew who he was, I, I think this was after he had retired in disgrace. Oh um, wow! This was you know this is the equivalent of appearing in a Sharknado sequel. Yeah, or perhaps I should look this up before I just slander the good name of Sierra's Police Quest. Uh, <laughs> you can't slander I... the good name of Daryl Gates, though. <laughs> no, you can't. And honestly, you can't really, you can't really uh, uh, slander Police Quest that much either, because it kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Police Quest Four, uh, uh, open season. Ooh. With Daryl F. Gates. What an unfortunate name. Yes. <laughs> um, and this was in 1993. So, um, yeah, so I feel like pretty recent. But yeah. Re recent from the, the Rodney King event. So, yeah. Well, you know, um, lots of poor decisions being made there mm -hmm. in that one. But it is Sierra Online. So poor decisions was the name of the game with them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would have been made... a lot more interesting if they just had Rodney King as the consultant. I mean, for the, then they just call it King's Quest. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast's over. We're not going to have a better joke than that. <laughs> anyway, Annie, 2014. Um, uh, Ethan, what did you think of Annie, 2014? I feel like there must be some incredible incredible fiasco story behind the making of this movie and you can and looking it up i found that there are a few kind of hints here and there that something went wrong it's it is uh produced by will smith and his wife whose name we should keep out of our mouths and uh they but it was originally intended to star his daughter willow smith but by the time oh. they got off the ground she had aged out of the role so oh. this is so this was kind of supposed to be like a spy kids kind of thing a family project is like my kids wanted to make a movie here you go wow okay um interesting choice of uh property that they were like we want our kid to play annie of all people okay um i, oh, I, I guess feel this movie probably wouldn't exist if not for the jay-z version of hard knock life yeah um I guess the big question is, were people clamoring for a new Annie? I, um, have have people ever been clamoring for Annie? Yeah. <laughs> were they clamoring for an old Annie? I don't think they were clamoring for, you know, even even the stumbling attempts for at a sequel for Annie. It's not like anyone was like, oh, yeah, I got I want to learn more about Annie. People don't even want more I Annie mean, the comic strip. And that's free. <laughs> it is funny that like when we watched Annie the 1980s version I think I mentioned that like as a kid I was convinced that this was a cultural phenomenon because there was such an 
uh, a media blitz. I mean, it was really, I just saw ads for it everywhere and I just thought it was a huge thing. And it wasn't until we revisited it as, you know, and I actually looked into it. It was like, oh, this was a flop and really nobody cares about it. Yeah, kind um, of dire flops, as I understand. Yeah. And when we watched the 80s Annie, it was like, oh, I understand why it's a flop because it, it kind of sucks. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's not a good movie, but, mm-hmm. um, but I think you're right. I think the Jay-Z, the Hard Knock Life, uh, Jay-Z's version, you know, kind of, uh, uh, pump some new blood into the Annie uh, franchise. People yeah. suddenly remembered that Annie exists, and then they were like, "All right, here we go." Yeah. Um, so, so Willow Smith did not star in this. Instead, uh, this movie stars uh, someone else. Uh, uh, Vanity Wallace. Yes, I had to look up how to pronounce that name. No offense to her, because it's a pretty awesome name, honestly. <laughs> And yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, she's one of the better things about it. I think I think I like her better than I like the Annie from the other movie. I agree with that. Um, now, I think that's also a very low bar, though. Yeah. <laughs> the Annie in the original movie, I mean, was just like, OK, typical kid actor, like yeah. not like awful, but like just kind of, you know, grading in the way that like uh, a typical kid is. Um, this, uh, so you get some of uh, that from the other kids in the orphanage. Not that it's an orphanage yeah. anymore, but yeah, no, it's like a foster home, I guess is yeah. what it is instead. Yeah. Um, now we still have, we still have Miss Hannigan, but now she is running a foster home out of her own home rather than like having, I don't know, like a tenement for little girls or whatever. I don't know. It was, I don't remember how it worked in the original, but yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense because unlike the 80s, the 80s Annie was a period piece and was yes. set, I think, in the 1930s when they mm-hmm. still had orphanages. And of course, this movie, which takes place in 2014 when it was made, um, that that means that it is, uh, you know, there aren't orphanages anymore. So uh, they had to. I got to say, mm-hmm. that is one of the weirdest things about this movie is that. The movie made in the 80s took place in the 30s, and it was viewing the 30s from a, you know, a distance, and it came across as like a cartoonish uh, caricature of the 30s. Meanwhile, this movie set in 14, in 2014, came out in 2014, and it still feels like a cartoonish caricature of 2014. How do they do that? Yeah, yeah it's it's kind of, it's weird. Um, I'll, I'll say that I... I actually I I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I enjoyed the 1980s Annie. Well, that's good. Um, I I this is now there Annie would never be the sort of film that I would seek out to watch if mm. I wasn't doing a podcast about it. It just you know <laughs> we, it just we subject ourselves to some pretty awful stuff here sometimes. Yeah, yeah. For I mean, you, our viewers, who <laughs> listeners, whom we love. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, it just doesn't interest me that much. Uh, but, you know, watching this, I was like, oh, OK, this is this is all right. Yeah. You know, um, there's nothing about it that I was like, God, I hate this. Um, it was watching the whole movie. I was pretty much the whole time like, yeah, this is all right. Yeah. Um, well, it by has- this time, the algorithm was in place. We had figured out how to make movies that don't that don't immediately turn you off. It's like, yeah, that was all right. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that is the thing. Is like everything about it was fine. Um, there's a, there, there are a few things that I can uh, – were definitely big improvements over the 80s version. Mm. And um, nothing that I'd say is worse than the 80s version. Um, I can uh, think some of a few of... things, but uh, we'll get to them. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, well, we may have, we we may have a debate about some of this. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but, uh, so it basically follows the same plot as the eighties version. Almost exactly Um, the same plot. So if you've seen the original Annie, there is not that much that you're missing, except that there's a few new songs actually. Right. Right. Um, and the songs are kind of, uh, I personally, you know, I didn't care for the songs that much. I didn't think they really, they, none of them really stood out to me, you know, yeah. um, they were, they were fine, but like, it's not like I usually, I guess I'm spoiled by Disney musicals. Cause I'm like, okay, there's going to be like a rock number at some point that, you know, that's going to like really blow my socks off. Yeah. Um, and this one I'm like, well, they're all fine. Um, that's Hard Knock Life is the yeah. big one, I think everyone remembers. But um, yeah, oh, mean, sorry, tomorrow you're saying... was there, but it wasn't the big deal, you know. Not the, no. Not the... Although I, I sort of felt like tomorrow was tacked on in the uh, in the eighties, Annie, and it felt a lot more natural in this one because it was something instead of you know something that she was singing for the first time in front of uh, in front of Franklin Roosevelt. It was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something she's singing to herself after a big disappointment. So which I think works puts it in a lot better context. But I'm not a big fan of musicals. And it felt like the makers of this movie weren't either. They, it felt like they were trying to disguise that it was a musical. And yeah, don't you feel that way? I agree. I agree. It seemed weird because the music was kind of, I get what he called diegetic. Yeah. Because that was actually the best part as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was weird. It was funny because other characters would be like, wait, are you singing? Are we singing now? Um, (laughs) Which was, was, I mean, I actually kind of liked that. It was amusing. Um, it was weird that they would uh, that they would kind of acknowledge the fakeness of it uh, with the mu- when the music happened. But otherwise, it was played straight. Because I would think if you're going to do something like that, you would do it like a Muppet-type movie where you're, you're constantly pointing out, like, yeah, this is a film, you know? Yeah. Um, like Even when, the vegetables when... don't like him. Yeah, yeah, or like Kermit's like, is this going somewhere? We're trying to make a movie. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this one, it's pretty much just just when they do music, sometimes they comment on the fact that people, they're singing and dancing. Um, but but there's some good jokes in, in that, so I'm not I'm not going to get mad at it and be like, oh, how dare you? Like, the kayfabe is ruined. Because, um, yeah, I, I think that was actually kind of clever sometimes. My, um, yeah, my only problem was that the, it didn't feel like they committed to it. Like, they would mm. start with the kind of... You know, my favorite thing was at the beginning where you have Annie running back, running home from school and it's not quite playing hard knock life. It's sort of appearing in the ambient sounds of New York. You hear it. You hear a note being played by a jackhammer as she goes by, by the squealing of the subway. And I was like, OK, this is interesting. This is Annie by way of stomp. But they mm. don't commit yeah. to that. It, you know, they'll start that way. Oh, also at the very beginning when she's singing to the other orphans, you have one of the girls start doing rhythmic snapping, and it feels like you know this is a, a great opportunity for you know the whole the whole group to do a sort of percussion version of the of the baby song. 
but they don't. They just kind of goes straight to uh, non-diegetic music and the the swelling strings. And I was like, well, pick pick one. Come on, don't keep teasing me. Don't keep edging me. <laughs> so this is this is a film that didn't have the courage of its convictions in some yes, ways. Yes, I think that is my biggest problem with it is that it felt like it was being made by competing groups who were trying to there there were it felt like splatoon it felt like trying to paint over someone else's work and then they paint over your work <laughs> yeah it's um yeah i can see that um this is this is a film uh, again it's kind of made in 2014 so at this point a lot of movies kind of just feel like they're made um it's got that feel that a lot of modern movies have where they just feel like they're kind of pieced together from scenes rather than being an actual like film yeah. that goes all the of way course, through. That's kind of a problem that all musicals have just uh, by their nature. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with musicals is like the music, it, it, how much you're willing to forgive that really depends on how good the music is. Mm -hmm. And this one, you know, um, it, it could be, Honestly, I feel like you could lose the music without really like losing anything in this film. Yeah, um, I, that's what I felt like. I felt like somebody had wanted to do an, a non-musical version of Annie, and someone put their foot down. It's like, no, there's got to be music. But we finished it already. They'll do it again. <laughs> um, I I guess so. Does the music actually? I feel like the music doesn't really further the plot or care. I know that like, that's the thing with like Disney where they're always like every music has to like further the plot or develop character. So you always yeah. have like, you know, a villain song and then you have the, uh, the romance song. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the songs in this don't really, um, are just kind of there. Yeah. Um, the big one that I, I remember kind of liking in the original was it was miss hannigan's song where she's going on about little yeah, girls little girls song yeah yeah that again in this but it's not as good no which is actually kind of unfortunate because they they give miss hannigan uh a new backstory that really lends itself for to her being a singer you know um, yeah and she doesn't get to sing very much no, no. So in this version uh, is Miss Hannigan, who is played by Cameron Diaz. And um, Cameron Diaz, I think, is like people usually still think of her as just kind of, um, you know, like a sex symbol type actress. Um, but she's really a very underrated comedic actress. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like she's got some she's she's just she's very she's very willing to just, you know, make a yeah. fool of herself if the scene calls for it. And um, th this is a good character for her to play. Um, she is pretty it, funny as as Princess Fiona. So at least there's that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Princess Fiona is a good role uh, in Charlie's Angels. She's really good. Um, uh, wasn't she in something about Mary? I mean, she didn't really yeah, get many was, funny lines in yeah, that. But I, yeah, she is the titular Mary. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, she's definitely someone who's. You know, even though she didn't get a lot of good lines in that, she was willing to play along, you know, um, and, and and having cum in her hair and everything. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't real cum, but, you know, no. I'm just saying is like, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, they, so she they could have gone further, but they could have, you know, um, I do not believe it was method acting, but <laughs> um, in this just one, didn't think it was. Well, you know, <laughs> Hollywood. Um, but she plays Miss Hannigan, who is, I guess, like kind of a, a bitter, failed uh, um, rock musician in this. Yeah, 
version. Well, not, not even rock. She was with CNC Music Factory. So she was part of things that make you go, hmm, apparently. Oh, so was that a real thing? Yeah, that was a real band. It was a real song. Oh, I didn't know that. I actually thought that they just made it up for this. So I didn't realize she was. A, I don't realize Miss Hannigan is in a real band. Um, but yeah, that's right. She says she got fired from the band right before going on Arsenio Hall. So uh, because of this, she's she's. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, that was what she said. I'm just agreeing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she's very bitter and she takes this out on her foster children. Uh, so she's. Uh, this version of Miss Hannigan is, it's pretty, I mean, it's very similar to the version that we got in the 80s, except, you know, she's, she's bitter, she's drunk, she's, uh, she, yeah. she dresses like her wardrobe exploded on her. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like this is some, somewhere where they needed to, uh, up, you know, to uh, move the character in kind of the same direction as they did with uh, Daddy Warbucks, because, you know, I'm comparing this from... The move from nineteen from nineteen eighty two to to twenty fourteen. Now, there's another example of that is in the recent Netflix Sandman series. You have a character who is the foster child of some abusive foster parents, and they were, you know, similarly cartoonish to uh, to Miss um, Hannigan in the comic book, but uh, they they humanize them a lot while still making them significantly scarier for the Netflix version. And, mm. you know, I feel like, you know, I, st I feel like Miss Hannigan is, you know, too much of a cartoon character for this situation, but I don't I know. Mean, I mean, it's hard. It, this is difficult because, you know, the abuse of foster children is like a real issue, which yeah. is, you know, very, very serious and bad. And so when you're doing it in a lighthearted film like Annie, I think they're like, look, we really need to make her just like very buffoonish yeah. so that people don't like think about like the reality of the situation that she's basically like doing child abuse. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, she, uh, she's talking actually, like, mm -hmm. you know, like a Kevin Spacey character from a lot of the moving. So. Yeah. <laughs> no she's, one um, sleeps till every scrap of food is taken. <laughs> She's, uh, I mean, I, I think, yeah, it's pretty much, she's less, abra I guess she's less abrasive than the 80s Hannigan, or less hateable. She's more just pitiable, pitiable. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I, I'm sure that's important, that's, the reason they did that is because this Miss Hannigan has a redemption arc, unlike yeah. the 80s version. The, others one, um, the other one was just kind of like, well, maybe we shouldn't kill her, but. Yeah, I mean, this time, like, she. Uh, 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 she she's a bitch for most of the movie, but then she hears that Annie actually likes her singing, and then she actually like, and that's enough to change her. That that yeah, that melts that her icy really, heart. Yeah, that felt weird to me. It was like, wow, that's just, she just turns on a dime. Her her emotions are just out of control. Yeah, but, severe emotional deregulation going on there. Um, uh, do you ever see Problem Child? Oh yeah, I remember Problem Child. Yeah, think think about John Ritter's character in that movie and how he was, you know, how he re he legit did like this kid, but he comes to the conclusion that you know they're so much better off without him. And then you know he's going through the kid's drawings and just like drawing his wife as a monster, his father as a monster, and then there's a nice picture of him and he's like, oh my god, he liked me. <laughs> and I feel I feel like that worked better than better than this, even though it's basically the same thing. I'm not sure why. 
Um, I, I mean, I think part of it is it is it's a part of it for me is just like the character of Annie is a I mean, Annie's thing in in every iteration is that she's relentlessly positive. Yeah. You know, and that's that's why everyone loves her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, she's being uh, like every time she talks to Miss Hannigan, I know she's kind of being a little sarcastic, I guess, maybe. At least that's what Miss Hannigan seems to think it is. But she's always being very. Miss Hannigan thinks that every positive thing that Annie says to her is an attempt to curry her favor. But when she talks to the people she's been with, she learns that Annie never had anything but positive things to say about her to them either. So, and she's like, oh shit, I've really been misjudging her. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I guess, part of it is it seems kind of weird then that suddenly it changes. I mean, it changes so suddenly. It just seems kind of odd because honestly, I, if I were Miss Hannigan and I was saying, to Daddy Warbucks, oh, she she probably said that my voice sucks, and where Daddy Warbucks says, no, she said it was good. It's like, why would you believe him? Why why wouldn't you just think that he's just saying that because because it would be really weird to, for him to say to oh, no, she hates your voice because Daddy Warbucks has at that point, sorry, Daddy Stacks has yes. had no contact with uh, Miss Hannigan the entire movie, so he has no reason to be mean to her, you know, yeah. or rude to her. So um, yeah, it's, it's a little odd, but. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, but in general, uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Cameron Diaz, I think, does a fine, uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good with this role. Yeah. Uh, she really she's hams no it up. Burnett, but who is? No, that's the thing. It's like it's she's got really big shoes to fill, and she is no Carol Burnett. But like she, um, she definitely, um, uh. Uh, she does what she, she she does she hams it up really nicely. Yes. And I think they were like, look, we definitely are not going to have any uh, Tim Curry and uh, Bernadette Peters analogs in this film because who would you get for that? Seriously. That's a good point. Yeah, I can't really think of. You know, I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I feel like they could have had Cameron Diaz for the Bernadette Peters role, but she was already doing something else. <laughs> Yeah, but can you think of anyone who would do a pull off a Tim Curry at this point? Any any actor who's like, who's a Tim Curry sort? Like, I can't think of anyone. He's he's none just, that you know. aren't already too big of a star for that small of a role. Yeah, yeah. So um, instead of them, we just have well some randos who get hired later on, yeah. which is odd. That um, it, I was I'm gonna say that is one of the places where this movie really doesn't compare to the other because. You know, Tim, Tim Curry and Bernadette Peters were actually one of the highlights of that movie. And these characters are just nobodies. I don't think do we even learn their names. No, and the, they're only credited as Annie's quote unquote mom and quote unquote dad. Huh. Um, so so just so that everyone understands what we're talking about, if you're familiar with the 80s version, uh, Daddy Warbucks offers like a reward to try and find Annie's parents. And so uh, Tim Curry, who is Miss Hannigan's brother, shows up with his like uh, his bimbo mall burnt during at Peter's and they try to pretend to be Annie's parents to get the money. Uh, in this version, uh, Daddy Stacks, who is played by Jamie Foxx, um, yes. he's running for mayor of New York and his uh, his toady thinks that if Daddy Stacks can reunite Annie with her parents, it'll propel him over the finish line and and he'll win the election. So uh, they hire some randos to pretend to be Annie's parents, and it's it's kind of weird then because um, are they? Because that because the the plan apparently 
was that they would just like do a big like a uh, photo shoot like a pr thing with this happening and then yeah. they would just kind of quietly dump annie back into the foster system afterwards and uh when daddy stacks finds out that they've played him he's all mad and he's trying to get annie but it's funny because these actors they've hired are basically like driving away with her and then there's a high-speed chase and it's like why are they running away they don't want her <laughs> they're they want to yeah. they're just they're they're they would be happy to give her back i'm sure but it's yeah like that's part of the job i mean this is just for a job you know yeah it's actually because because the the toady uh, what's his name i don't know what the uh, character's dan name dan dan lily um he mr dan lily mr dan lily so <laughs> he is, is he says that he has a guy who who finds people for him and cause he wants to keep their hands clean. So I'm trying to figure out like, so are they just actors who are playing a role or, or are they supposed to be more sinister? Not really sure what's going on there. Um, I think they're just actors, honestly, but that, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're the closest thing to villains in this film, but they yeah. really aren't, you know, they, they have no reason for motivation or anything. They're just there. I um, guess Dan Lilly is the villain because he's the one who keeps, uh, Telling, he keeps telling uh, Stax to, uh, you know, do this or that with Annie, not out of any kind of personal feelings for him, but because it would be good for his mayoral campaign. Yeah. However, though, it's like he was hired to get Daddy Stax elected. So he, yeah. for, you know, for two thirds of the movie, he's literally just doing his job. It yeah. isn't until like the final reel when he suddenly decides, oh, I'm going to be evil. Um, and then you're like, oh, OK, that's the bad guy. Um, so. That whole bit, I don't think, worked as well yeah. as in the 80s version. Um, His motivation seems to be that he gets anyone elected and he has like a 100% success rate. He says, like, I got, you know, I got Nixon elected. I got Kim Jong-il elected. Yeah, yeah. So, but now he wants to get out of the game. So I guess this is going to be his magnum opus. Yeah. And then he's going to retire from uh, from political consultancy. Um, now, uh, let's see. Well, let's. So let's see who we've, we've got in this. Um, we've got, we mentioned, uh, we've talked a little bit about Miss Hannigan, yeah. um, who, you know, is, is, I, I think pretty good in this, um, mm. but no Bernadette Peter, uh, no, no, no Carol Burnett. Sorry. Yes. And speaking um, of people who are no something, uh, let's talk about daddy stacks played by yes. Jamie Foxx in this movie, who unfortunately is no Albert Finney. Interesting. Cause I actually kind of liked him better than Albert Finney. But, oh, really? Huh. But, um, but go on. I did not, you know, maybe the problem is that the character of Daddy Stax is not as you know, interesting to me as the character of Daddy Warbucks. Because um, they are I, different. Mm -hmm. They're pretty different. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I think maybe I can sort of see what you mean. I think, I think uh, Daddy Stax is probably more likable. Uh, and that's mostly because Jamie Foxx is a very, you know, he's, he's one of those actors who's kind of always just like, oh, he just seems like he's just fun, you know, but uh, that also means he's got much less of a character arc mm -hmm. than um, Albert Finney's uh, Daddy Warbucks, you know, he, uh, he, he isn't like mad that he has to hang out with Annie to the same degree at the beginning. No. My, my uh, major problem with Daddy Stax is that, you know, all through the 80s and into the 90s, we had villains in movies who were based on Trump. And now we have mm. a heroic black Trump. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I. But no, you, no, you know, he's, he's, uh, he, he makes cell phones. Yeah, yeah. Again, he specifically says he wants to make New York great again. Yeah, that's so weird hearing that. You know, remember that, that, really well, hits... that was a catchphrase that they thought you know no one would remember in two years. Like, oh. wow, wow. That's that is. I, I, yeah, I did hear that, and it was just like that. Really hits different. You know, it's just weird. Yeah. Watching in Annie 2014 and they're like, no idea that this will become like, you know, the new uh, blood and soil catchphrase, <laughs> you know, uh, just incredible. It's like if you were making a movie in like, I don't know, 19, uh, you know, 1930 uh, and they were like, oh, we're just going to this guy in random like, hey, we're just going to say Sig Heil. It's just a funny <laughs> thing I say, you know, and then a couple of years later, it's like, oh, no. Um, hey, remember how uh, Curly Howard's original catchphrase was "Hey Mo, Deutschland über alles." <laughs> it's like, oh, that didn't age well. Um, but uh, yeah, so he he's running for mayor. Does he ever actually? I he never really establishes what his he want why he wants to run for mayor too much. I guess um, um, I don't know. It it really is kind of just about his. Yeah, because he talks about his his poor childhood in uh, in Queens and how he talks about how his he works all the time because it felt it feels like being closer to his father who worked like twenty hours a day or whatever it is he said. Yeah, yeah, um, and then in the end, like when he he gives up the campaign so he can be with Annie. So I guess the point is that it's kind of an ego thing for him, but he learns that there's things in life that are more important. Um, yeah, and. Apparently elections aren't one of them. What if the other, you know, we don't get any uh, idea that the other mayor, mayoral candidate might be more competent than him. No, they do mention the other candidate is like a um, uh, like Jamie, Jamie Foxx at one point is like, oh, a stupid non nonprofit guy or something, because mm. apparently the, the mayor has like a background in like uh, charity work or something. And it's, it's kind of a throwaway joke, but I guess that's to indicate that at the end, just like, it's okay if the Is other that guy like wins. an Obama reference, like how people were down on him for being a community organizer. Oh, maybe. I mean, this was, you know, this was an Obama years movie. So, yeah. um, but, uh, um, I do, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as a character, I think he's, uh, he's kind of, uh, I guess his thing is he's kind of jerk. He's, he doesn't like people. That's his yeah. thing. He um, a, he's a germaphobe, another Trump thing. Yeah. Um, and I think like, yeah, cause, uh, Albert Finney's daddy Warbucks was much more of a, um, I don't know, very more blustery, I guess. He had yeah. a lot of people around to boss around daddy, uh, daddy stacks is a big thing is he doesn't want anyone around. So he lives yeah. alone. He, he doesn't want, he doesn't like people. Uh, he doesn't want to, you know, touch people. Um, and I guess Annie kind of, a Annie melts his icy heart. Yeah. Um, but that makes for one of the major differences in the uh, musical numbers, because they do. I think I'm going to like it here. And in the original, in the 1982 movie, it was there were all kinds of, uh, you know, workers working in uh, Albert Finney as Daddy Warbucks's uh, uh, mansion. He had all these maids, all these all these chefs, all these gardeners. And Daddy Sachs doesn't like people. So he has a huge empty house. But it's like it's like a cartoon house of the future. Where, yeah, it's a smart yeah, house. You, yeah, you just ask for things and it gives it to you sometimes before you even ask, which is <laughs> a little 
like there's a scene where Annie looks at a screen and thinks of a mermaid and a mermaid appears. It's like, that's alarming. <laughs> that seems to be that seems to be backing up what the uh you know what the the, the what's his name? Damn, the the bodega oh, owner. Lou? Yeah, yeah, Lou. Yeah. Lou. yeah, he's yeah, he's like uh yeah, these people steal your steal your information. It's like how would it know what she wanted? <laughs> yeah, that's a weird thing where like um yeah, cuz like Daddy Stacks, he is he's a cell phone guy. Um and or he has a cell phone company. I yeah. guess he, he he manufactures them, but he also uh is a uh network provider, I guess. Yeah, are you allowed to do that? Wasn't that what we broke up the AT&T system for? Yeah, apparently he's going for that whole vertical integration thing. Mm. Um and 2000 well t- 2014 was a very different world um as evidenced by the fact that like when he's running for mayor people are giving him shit because he's a businessman and they're all like how can a businessman run a city and it's just like uh i feel like you know i i, I just well first of all i feel like in 2014 people were already kind of used to the idea that like oh yeah businessmen already run our cities yeah. pretty much um but it's also just i guess Weird because it's before like Michael Bloomberg decided like I'm just gonna buy an election <laughs> for fun. Um, so, but anyway, he's he's got this cell phone thing, and at one point, yeah, they mention like Annie asks, oh, if they can get information on her parents, and they're like, yeah, we 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 can trace every single call. We have a special like room full of like guys on computers who just monitor every call that's done on our network. And uh, it's it's weird because it is a plot point at the end when they're trying to catch Annie when she's you know being yeah. kidnapped. Um, but it's also played for as a joke early on. But it's like, oh, this is really weird because, you know, <laughs> Big Brother. Yeah. Um, but also, I feel like at that point, like in 2014, um, even though we vaguely kind of knew that, like, oh, yeah, this is a, an issue. I don't think we were like thinking about it that much. You know, it wasn't until like a few years later we just realized like, oh shit, Alexa is like is is telling the cops everything I do, you know? Yeah, it it occur I think the technology moved so fast that we weren't prepared for it. Which, yeah, yeah. Um I mean and I mean that happens. I mean, I was looking at how hilarious the uh the AI artwork prompts were just a year ago and now they're getting pretty scary. Oh yeah, I know. I was like, I was DeviantArt, and I'm like, oh, look at all these these hot anime girls all of a sudden. What's up with? Yeah. Oh, oh, apparently, apparently the AI has learned how to do anime. So, um, <laughs> there you go. Because um, I was, I thought like, oh, all the all the AI art just looks like these kind of, you know, the the kind of sort of hyper realistic sort of uh, art that you see on the fronts of like video games and like Warhammer yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured like, Oh, like more stylized art. It, it won't be able to do that, but now it is. So it's yep. all right. Um, but um, yeah, so technology moves fast. And um, I think probably part of this movie is they kind of like, Oh yeah, it's kind of funny that they're spying on you because we don't yet, this isn't yet feasible. <laughs> you know, it's not plausible. We, we don't believe that it's actually, you know, to this extent happening. Um, yeah, this is why it feels like this was made in the future to make fun of 2014. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it is funny because because Lou, the bodega guy, like is like, yeah, cell phone steal. Because like, actually, even like 
uh, Nash, who is the chauffeur of um, Daddy Stacks, said when he when this is revealed, he's like, people are afraid of the government. They should be afraid of cell phone companies. And it's like, I get that's a joke, but you're also that's also true. That's that's really, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Now, Wikipedia says that Lou is sort of inspired by Mr. Bundles from the original movie. I don't know if I agree I, with that, but he kind of plays the same role. I do not remember Mr. Bundles. Oh, is he the guy that like when Annie is like she's escaping yeah. on like a uh, like a laundry cart? And... Yeah. And uh, apparently he's getting some from Miss Hannigan on the side, too. Oh, OK. Yeah, I guess. But like, uh, yeah, OK. I mean, because he's also very sympathetic to to Annie in the original. And uh, Lou is he's, he's I say he's the best character in this whole thing. He's got yeah. mm -hmm. um, he's got all the best lines um Personally, and uh, my favorite character is the social worker uh the russian woman yes uh because she when they're doing i think i'm gonna like it here she herself is absolutely blown away by the luxury of uh of mr stax's uh apartment and you see her you know kind of trailing along just kind of kind of wallowing in it she she jumps into the pool with a snorkel on and you see, yeah, I think she, she like eats some flowers out of a vase or something. <laughs> yeah, she's interesting because she's uh, kind of an antagonist at first because she's like a uh, she's a bureaucrat at City Hall who doesn't want to do like, you know, doesn't want to pull files for Annie. Um, but then like she kind of reappears later on when when uh, Daddy Stax is, uh, you know, becoming her guardian and and then there's that, that musical scene where it's like, well, we don't have any actual staff to dance, so so she's going to dance. Yeah, and, she, and she's, I like how she's clearly not a good dancer. She's just sort of stumbling along, but that gives her, that makes it a lot more human. That really does make it feel like, here's a real person lost in the world of musicals. Yeah. She also, it's funny because when she sees Daddy Stack, she immediately starts doing the same stuff that Miss Hannigan does, where she's like, you know, oh, is there, is there, a, is there a mommy stacks? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and it was, it was funny because I was like, oh, I thought you already had kind of this, like, uh, this, this kind of like extra horny kind of like, uh, uh, you know, antagonist uh, character, but I guess we'll have two. And I thought that she was going to, at some point, team up with Miss Hannigan as a villain or something. She I wonder doesn't... if that's a dropped plot point. Because it seems yeah. like that would have... You know, it seems like, how would they have been able to do the fake family if not with... Except with the social worker's help? That's a good point, actually. Um, yeah, it's weird, because she feels like she's she's kind of a she's kind of a scene stealer because yeah. like she is she's a lot of fun whenever she's there you know um she kind of like every scene that she's in you're just like i want to know what this russian social worker is doing <laughs> um but uh she feels like she, but she also feels like um i'm trying to think of an example like a character who's she's not integral to the story in any way she's just kind of like a background character that like is entertaining you know, mm. um, I think the character that like that immediately comes to mind is just the like, you know, like like the you can do it guy that everybody like loves from the water boy. Um, mm. He's just like a guy there who has a bit. Um, My first thought was the albino from the Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, actually, that's a much that's a better way to put it. She is 
she's kind of a background character, but she's got a fun gimmick, you know? Yeah. Like, if she did not have that Russian accent, she would probably not be as nearly as, as entertaining a character, to be honest. Yes. Um, this is I, uh, mm -hmm. this is one of those save the cat things where you know you have to give somebody an eye patch and a limp so they'll remember them later in the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so apparently her name is Mrs. Kovacevichik. Kovacevichik. Yes. Like, I don't remember her. I don't remember them saying her name in the in the book. I also I, don't remember the bodyguard at all. Oh, do you mean um, the bodyguard? Which bodyguard? Uh, the the uh, the driver, the chauffeur. His name says here on Wikipedia. His name is Nash, and I'm like, when did I see him? I don't remember him. Oh, he was the he was the black guy who drove the car. Yeah, I I guess I just don't remember. I don't remember seeing the driver. I I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention as I. Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna say he was in a few scenes. He he's at the end again when like um, he, I think he tackles someone and mm. um, uh, yeah, that's about it. He's he's really not the, he's not that much of a character. Yeah, um, the, oh. I mean we lost both Punjab and the ASP for him. So yeah, I yeah. feel like they were trying to you know not only you know not only cover for their roles but not also not have people ask where are Punjab and the ASP. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a good thing. In like 2014, it's like, do we really want to have this like, you know, these stereotypes in here? Maybe, maybe not. Um, well, I mean, if we're going to assemble a perfect uh, Annie from the, the three versions that we've seen so far, I would want to have Kovajani Wallace as Annie, Albert Finney as Daddy Warbucks, and the animated versions of Punjab and the Asp. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. The ass um, can still be a ghost. I like that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just realized apparently, um, Mrs. Kovacic, whatever, uh, Kovacic. played by played played by Stephanie Court Zuba, uh -huh. from Omaha, Nebraska. So <laughs> I, I guess I guess that's not her actual accent. I just assumed no. I assumed it was, but I guess she was doing a little thing called acting <laughs> so I good for her <laughs> yeah it's like it's a thing apparently that like you know they used to do um before we just had celebrities in movies um yeah. but uh but no she is she is uh, a lot of fun i think um uh yeah she's a, apparently she's a lot more memorable than um nash or um well nash is he's the driver but he's also the he's an ex-cop i believe oh really hmm. because he mentions later on uh that he's trying he even uh you know because he was trying to track down annie's parents and he mentions i even asked some of my old friends on the force so i guess he's a retired cop who's now a hmm. chauffeur maybe he's a retired um, jedi oh well that that adds a whole new dimension uh this takes <laughs> yeah, place in I, I, yeah i took some yeah I, I asked some of my friends through the forts yeah you know um so i think we also there's another character in this that uh that we haven't mentioned and that oh, yeah, is grace. um grace uh so that is daddy stack's uh, assistant and um one thing that i think was actually uh i think in the original annie did did the assistant and daddy warbucks get together in the end i can't remember yeah i don't remember how it was always kind of hinted at but uh 
I think she's she's more a mother figure for Annie than she is a wife figure for Daddy Warbucks in that one. But it, yeah, but the romantic connection is a lot clearer in this. Yeah, because I I thought the same thing because I remembered it being like hinted, but felt like it never actually played out. Um, in this one, uh, it's 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 you know it, it they they uh they they spell it out for you. Yes. So um so you know because you everything actually has to get... be spelled out now. Yes. So they do have like a little, you know, a romance between uh, Grace and uh, Daddy Stacks. And, and it's it's nice. You know, it's cute. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things at the movie that are that are cute. Um, yeah, I think that's what the uh, critics didn't like about. It. They said it was cloying a lot of ways. And I can see um, that. I don't know about I don't know if I would call it cloying so much as kind of uneven. Kind of. Yeah. It kind of oh. jagged. You can see the seams. Yeah, I mean, I'm so. I, I have to say, it's Annie. Annie is kind of cloying by its nature. It's yeah. it's a you know this is about a um, it's about a, 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 a orphan with a heart of gold melting a you know a, a rich asshole's heart. It's like, well, how are you not going to be a little like right. um, you know a, a little over the top goofy with this sort of thing? So right, it's um, Silas Marner. It's I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Actually, I think that is the plot of Pollyanna, too. So, I mean, you're, yeah, actually it is. Um, so, you know, I think that that I think I don't I wouldn't call it. I don't think I think that the um, the romance and the, the characters like opening up their hearts and all that, it all, you know, works fairly well. You know, there's nothing about it that I'm like, oh, you know, rolling my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Miss Hannigan, you know, he'll, uh, you know, uh, redemption comes a little quick, but it does. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, otherwise, I mean, I think the, the, the think it works fine. Um, it's gr- uh, great. So Grace, um, is played by Rose Byrne and, uh, she's British in this. Yeah. I, I don't know if maybe she's British in real life. I don't know. In real life, she's Australian. Oh, so I guess she was doing some acting as well. Yep. Um, so she, uh, she, uh, she loves, Daddy stacks and Annie gets them together. Good for Annie. Um, <laughs> uh, well put, yeah. Oh, well put, good. Let's talk yeah. about the, we- the weirdest thing about this: the movie scene. Oh, uh, yeah, I I really like this actually. <laughs> yeah, this was a huge improvement over the original movie because you have in the movie you have the 1982 movie. There is this really long ass scene where all the orphans go to see a movie with daddy warbucks and there's this weird dance sequence in front of it where the with dancers dressed like camera components and it's really puzzling and (laughs) they seem and but they're watching a real movie in that one in this they made a movie for them to watch because they knew that kids would not be into a black and white movie so it seems to include elements of marvel and twilight together yeah that's what i was thinking um it's called moonquake lake yes and it has an all-star cast (laughs) yeah like they got ashton kutcher and mila kunis um it's funny because like uh, recreating their their chemistry from that '70s show, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and Rihanna as yes. well as in it, um, uh, she plays uh, the Moon Goddess. Yeah. Um, this 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 
movie. I, I kind of want to see this movie. It's, <laughs> it's just like they're, I guess they have to go to the moon, but then the moon's going to attack or someone's going to attack the moon. And, and the moon Brianna... people live underwater. And yeah. you, you have to have like, you know, moon tears or something that leak out of your face if you want to live on Earth. Or... Yeah, it's, it's um... it feels like someone's really complicated erotic role play where they forgot to do the sex part. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you could tell they, they were having a lot of fun coming up with just, you know, the most ridiculous concept for a movie they could. And, and this whole sequence I thought was really funny, just with Daddy Stax being like, what's going on? What's what's going on? Were they on the moon? What's happening? Um, <laughs> but then he gets super into it. Yeah. Well, yeah, so what's going on? They're like, uh, She's crying her moon tears. And then, yeah, then by the end, he's like, well, you didn't understand. They had to before the moon was going to be attacked by the moon people. So it's, yeah, that, that was, that, that whole bit was pretty fun. I like that. Um, and this movie the, within a movie was directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, the Lego movie slash Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse people. Oh, wow. Well, no wonder it was so good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they, um. Uh, so that, that was a fun little thing. Uh, daddy stacks like has to leave early to go to work and that makes Annie sad because, you know, uh, he misses the after party. Um, but you know, in the end he learns that he should spend more time with Annie. So it all works yeah. out. Um, but yeah, that, that's a really good bit. I, I, um, I actually I like thought how when the you... after party is just, is basically just a help yourself candy, uh, display like it like at Winco and the kids are just, you know, pouring huge jars of candy down their throats. Like I, I, sticks. <laughs> I like the part where remember when Annie first gets picked up by, uh, by grace and, and the car is full of candy. And so she starts just giving it to the other orphans and they're all like going nuts. And grace is just like, Oh, kids like candy. <laughs> it's a, there's actually, okay, look, this movie actually has some really good lines in it. Um, <laughs> I think like like another one that I really liked was when uh, there's a there's a really quick one where uh, uh, what's his name uh, the the to the the campaign advisor says something to Daddy oh, Stacks and yeah, he's Mr. like yeah Guy Lilly yeah yeah and he's all like with all due respect and Daddy Stacks is like none taken and it's like <laughs> it's like oh okay <laughs> that's that's fun um, and there are a lot of like especially like Bode Bodega Lou just gets like. Some real like um, like the bit with uh, uh, where, where Miss Hannon comes in. And she's all sad. And he's like, do you want me to make you a key? Because <laughs> he's got one of those like make your own key machines in his bodega. It's um, oh, or the helicopter ride. Yeah, which the is actually helicopter the, the, was funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the best thing. The whole movie. It's just like because he's all like, oh, is this is an A29 helicopter. Like what? He's like, oh, a guy like me can't know about helicopters. No, just kidding. It's written right here. And it's like, OK. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's actually like this because this movie is, is like like I, it's a cute movie. It's not bad. It's ultimately forgettable. Yeah. But but I'm just impressed that they actually managed to just like sneak in so many really good little zingers in this. Yeah. Um, I I, w I looked up the director because I felt like, you know, under a really competent director, you'd have that all through the movie, that it would be a lot more even in its humor potential because because uh, you don't get that all the time. 
No, no. No. And this is the director it, who went on to do Peter Rabbit. Oh, Peter no. Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. So... Oh, no. Um, Peter Rabbit, one of the most insane films I have ever seen. Really? <laughs> Peter Rabbit, it, it, watching Peter Rabbit, I, I just have to imagine, is what having a stroke feels like. <laughs> it is, it is just, it is, uh, Okay. Let me just say this. Have you seen Peter Rabbit? No, I have not seen Peter Rabbit. Should I see okay. Peter Rabbit? Um, I, I I cannot recommend Peter Rabbit. <laughs> I cannot condone your buffoonery, Peter Rabbit. <laughs> Can I spoil Peter Rabbit? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Spoilers for Peter Rabbit. If you haven't seen Peter Rabbit, skip okay. ahead uh, about two minutes. Okay. Now, we're all familiar with the story of Peter Rabbit from Beatrix Potter. Yes. Right. Okay. The the general story. Peter Rabbit is going in the garden. He's stealing the the carrots, and now he's got to go away before the farmer puts him in a pie. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's ba- the basic story of Peter Rabbit. What happens uh, so in in the movie Peter Rabbit is uh, in the beginning of the film that that's what's happening in the beginning of the film. So Farmer McGregor is chasing Peter Rabbit. Okay. Mm-hmm. He has a heart attack and dies. Uh... And. Yes. Um, and the movie is like, well, the narrator's like, this is because Farmer Gregor didn't take care of himself. We have a montage of Farmer Gregor, Gregor just like eating like pies and <laughs> and like and paint and just like, you know, just doing <laughs> unhealthy things, apparently to establish to, to the, this. Oh, yeah, of course he died. He was he was doing these things that I guess you shouldn't be doing. Um but uh, it's weird because it's a children's film. Anyway, uh, his his nephew, Bumberdink Cumberbatch, or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> oh, I was hoping um, that was his real na- the name of the character. Oh, uh, I forget the character's name, uh, but he inherits the farm, right? And oh, uh, Domhall Gleeson, that's his name. Oh, is that the character name? No, that's the actor. The character is Thomas McGregor. Oh, wow. So it's not Dumberdink Bumper, no. bumper batch. I, <laughs> I stand corrected. Um, so anyway, what happens then is Peter Rabbit and his uh, rabbit pals um, play a series of hilarious pranks in order to get Thomas McGregor to abandon the farm. Like they um, they electrify his doorknob. Uh, they they poison him with blueberries because he has goes into anaphylactic shock because of a blueberry uh, uh, allergy. Um, various things like that. Um, anyway, uh, for reasons, uh, they also the the uh, need to. Oh, there's a woman who lives in a nearby farm, and there's and there's just like we got to get them together as well. Okay, so anyway, uh, a lot of stuff happens. And, and you know who that woman was? Who? Rose Byrne, Grace from this movie. Oh wow! So I guess she's she's got a. She has got a pretty firm uh, she niche as girl. Yes. <laughs> she plays love interest. I guess uh, she's on uh, she's on director Will Gluck's uh, in in his stable. He's like, well, making another movie. I better get Rose Byrne. I mean, you know, she's she's good at this role. She she plays the girl. That is. I mean, unfortunately, I think if you're a woman in Hollywood, uh, 90% of roles are just the girl. 
yep. until you get to a certain age and then you're the mom yeah you know um, 10 years later you're the witch yes exactly so you know thanks hollywood um but anyway literally the, maiden mother and crone oh actually hollywood hollywood is very very uh well you know it is it is run by 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 uh <laughs> satanists so you know makes sense good um, job satanists yeah sexist satanists um but anyway the the important thing is right there sexist uh, satanists i i would watch it <laughs> i i bet there's a, actually actually that actually we, that's a great idea i want to yeah. i want to see sexist satanist the film yeah, um, let's do a, a satanist version of nine to five <laughs> <laughs> to work yeah there you go <laughs> uh, okay anyway here's the important thing about the film right yeah at the end of the film all seems lost peter rabbit is fucked for whatever reason mm -hmm. and he needs to communicate to uh thomas mcgregor that that he needs to go that thomas mcgregor needs to go and like propose to girl or yeah. something Right. He needs to communicate this to him. And so Peter Rabbit says to Benjamin Bunny, his friend, I'm, I'm going to tell him. And so Peter Rabbit says, hey, Thomas Gregor. Yeah, I can talk. I could <laughs> I could talk the whole time. I could talk to people. I just didn't for the whole movie. And now I'm talking to you. Go go propose to the woman. And Thomas Gregor is like, oh, OK, I'll do that. Um with it's it's like garfield in the big storm <laughs> like like peter rabbit's judgment day wow yeah it's just apparently peter Rabbit takes place in a world where animals can talk they just chose not to they They're just given us the silent treatment yeah and i guess maybe i mean i suppose if if uh if if I was Thomas McGregor, I'd probably be like, maybe I should have guessed that you could talk by the fact that you wear a little blue jacket with gold buttons. I mean, oh, this that's... is what gave you the complex about animal clothes. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if the animal is wearing clothes, <laughs> what's, what's, you know, <laughs> like if I saw an animal wearing clothes, have we litigated this on show on the show before? <laughs> yes, we have. But, okay. However, there is one mitigating factor here because Peter is not a wild rabbit. He belongs to the woman. That's what it says here. Oh, I don't remember that. Well, yeah, she taught him to talk then. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I mean, that's I don't know. I mean, I've had rabbits and I was never able to actually teach him to talk. But then I never got them to wear clothes either. So who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do have a distinct memory of trying to teach my dog to talk. And I was like, okay, let's teach you to say my name. Ethan means, wait, no, means means. Oh, shit. <laughs> so did it work? Uh, well, no. Well, she learned oh. how to say bark, but. Well, there, that that's, that's a start. <laughs> she, could she, could she name the greatest baseball player of all time? Um, Tarkov. <laughs> should have said DiMaggio. Uh, anyway, so, uh, but we were speaking of Annie. Yeah, Annie, yeah, so Annie has, actually it does have a lot to recommend it, after all. I think I've, I think hearing your enthusiasm for it has encouraged me to give it a second chance. I, I was not expecting you to like it this much. 
I mean, I won't say that I would ever watch it again. Oh, yeah. um, it's just I watched it and I was like, well, you know, I liked it more than I expected. Um, I I didn't I wasn't just kind of like baffled and bored the way I was with the 80s version. Um, but, you know, ultimately, this is a pretty forgettable film, I feel like. Yes. Um, but, you know, forgettable is better than oh, make it be over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like there was something else that was very weird about this movie, but I'm totally. Oh, um, actually, one thing that I did think was kind of funny um, was that there was not a not an obnoxious amount, but a noticeable amount of product placement in this movie. Because mm. um, like Annie is on one of those kind of like those rent a bikes at the beginning, yeah. um, which I guess were a thing in 2014 already. Um, I've never I didn't see them when I was in New York, New York. Yeah, uh, maybe they've maybe they've fallen out of fashion, you know, maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, th- th- there are a couple of things where you see that. And then when they're actually like watching Moonquake Lake, like there's one of the uh, Daddy Stax's phones is in it. And they were saying like, oh, yeah, that's product placement. That's the only thing that keeps the movie industry afloat. So <laughs> I was like, OK, it's like that's funny. You know, little uh, um, little wink at the at the audience return of the killer tomatoes style. Yeah, I did think it was interesting because I was like, you know, the product placement in this movie was not like so incredibly in your face that I would have actually expected a lot of people to like pick up on it. Um, you know, there are a few things that, that I noticed, but I mean, in 2000, but it's not like Miracle on 34th Street, uh, which is the worst movie for product placement you mean um, the or 90s any, one, the 90s one, which. Yeah. Um, is terrible film, terrible, um, <laughs> or any given Adam Sandler film that has more product placement than this movie. But, but you know, there's a little bit, so um, it, it was kind of amusing that they uh, they lampshaded it, as as the yeah. kids say. I understand um, the uh, frustration with product placement, but I also you know live in this world, and it's full of product placement even in real life. Try going anywhere. And- for you know a day and not seeing the coke logo somewhere where can you go that isn't an open field i mean for real yeah just wait till they put it in your dreams yeah i mean it's it's very at this point it seems almost uh less realistic to have a world without constant advertising that's how you know it's the real world is that everything is for sale yeah yeah that's for sure as cobra um, commander said this is the world everything is for sale <laughs> um I, I actually yeah so this movie yeah we do get um i'm trying to think like uh i i'm trying to think of other products that were in it i think there were a couple but i'm i'm blanking now so i guess no. it wasn't very effective product placement <laughs> um well i mean the really important thing was uh was the Stax phones. And that, yeah, and which don't exist. Lot, yeah, they don't exist, but their product placement was right by all the others. So it made it kind of stand out, not stand out. It made it, you know, more a recognizable part of this world's version of New York. Oh, okay. I didn't pick up on that. Um, let's see. Um, oh, uh, unrelated, but I did, uh, I guess I kind of liked that, uh, you know, Annie's uh, introduction to Daddy Stacks felt a little more organic this time. Well, yeah, because he rescues her, you know, just uh, out of out of pure instinct. He uh, grabs her out of the way of a car when she's trying to rescue the dog that will later become Sandy. 
Yeah. And, and so that was kind of, you know, and then of course that's when uh, it's, it's caught on video and goes viral. Cause that was already happening in 2014. And, um, and then that's where they decide to adopt Annie. Um, yeah. Something going viral has become a, you know, a real major uh, pusher of plots in the modern era. I, I can't think of a, I can't think of something else where it happened, but uh, I'm sure there are, there are a bunch. There, there's definitely a few. Um, I mean, I've definitely seen it happen a lot. It was funny watching. I can't remember. Was it? Uh, oh, remember when we watched Marmaduke and it was like, oh, the move, the the video went viral. It got That's two thousand right. views. Yeah. And it was <laughs> like, oh, Marmaduke. Oh, my sweet summer child. Oh, that was a lot in those days. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's you know, almost. Uh... That's that's almost point oh oh one percent of what Tootin Bath Time Fun Babies got. <laughs> yeah, ma, so um, I feel like Annie uh, Annie feels a little more current than Marmaduke. Yeah, um, well, I mean, it is a little more current, but not that much more because it's only four years later. Man, apparently uh, the world of two thousand ten and the world of two thousand fourteen. Well, you know, things things are moving so fast now. Um, show a 2022 film to someone from 2014, and they would just be like, "I don't. What is this? I'm a caveman. I'm a simple <laughs> caveman. I don't know what this what this Rings of Power thing is. That's a movie, right? Uh, I think it's a series. I haven't watched. Oh, it. Uh, they keep. I don't know the difference between movies and series anymore because uh, they keep. Yeah, show show someone from 2014. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. And they'll be like, oh, fuck, yeah. yeah, that rules. Yeah. Now, that there you go. Yeah, there, that, I think that that would uh, um, that would that would actually be good. But that's a good film. Yeah. Um, anyway, I haven't uh, seen any other movies recently. <laughs> oh, really? Well, why would you? You've already seen everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> I, I, I watched half of the new the latest Spider-Man on the on the plane. So I didn't get to see the second half, but uh, I don't think that one was quite as, you know, the only thing that really marked the technology is that there's a scene where Spider-Man is, he has friends keeping an eye on him because he has a phone with its uh, camera on uh, taped to his chest as he's swinging around. Oh, huh. But I think you could have um, done that in 2014, right? Yeah, you could probably do that, I think. Did, I think did he, we have, yeah. we had FaceTime by then, right? I think. I, I feel like we would have had, yeah, something like that at least. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The only movie I've seen, like, since, in like, three, th since Pandemic started, literally the only movie I've seen is Dune, or as mm. they say, Dunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you show that to a person from 2014, it'd be like, oh, these real spaceships? Is this real? <laughs> And you're like, yes, and I need your money to help build them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what has We've God already gone Starship? from impressing people with our movies to grifting them. Yeah, <laughs> that's the American way. That's um, the future, buddy. It really is. Well, um, well, anything else we should say about Annie 2014? Um, Nobody said Leapin' Lizards, did they? No, they didn't. Um Nobody hmm. said Leapin' Lizards. That was, I mean, not that, I mean, it was kind of shoved in even in the 1982 one, so. Yeah. But oh, not wait, as I... hilariously, what, did someone? No, no, they didn't, but go on, sorry. 
Yeah, but not as you know, not as effectively as when she was actually given a pair of leaping lizards in the animated one. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Pujab has to explain. Yes, they are leaping lizards. Um, I actually did remember something that I thought was the strangest thing about this film. That was kind of just like, uh, just happened, and kind of came out of nowhere. And that is the fact that Annie is illiterate. Yeah, um, that's a that's a major plot point that doesn't really make any sense because the first thing you see her doing in this movie actually the first thing you see is a white version of annie giving a book report and the teacher's like very good okay annie b <laughs> and our annie wakes up from her from her desk and is like that's interesting so there's like parallel annie stories happening at the same time yeah there's annie white and annie black Annie B. It's like when there was Superman Red and Superman Blue. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird because she's illiterate, but she goes to school. And so, and Daddy Stax even is like, well, how how do you get... And she's like, oh, I'm good at hiding stuff. And it's like, maybe it'd be better if you just learned to read. I mean, because... Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we see at the very beginning, she uh, gives a report about... Uh, about FDR and the New Deal, which she does as a sort of performance where she gets the kids to make different noises depending on whether you're rich or poor, which is clever, but it also sort of feels like when they call you up to do uh, show and tell and you didn't have anything because they, they never gave you any kind of schedule for it. So you just play mash up on the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is impressive that she learned all that information about FDR without being able to read. Yeah, where did so, she pick it up from? Did the other did the other orphans read to her? I mean, maybe. I guess she might have watched like I don't know the History Channel or something. But still, yeah. you know, oh, I don't she know. Did say um, she liked to listen to talk radio. Maybe that's where she picked it up. I mean, I guess NPR told her. Uh, <laughs> it is weird because because this is just comes out randomly about two thirds of the way through the film because uh, Daddy Stacks brings her to like the opening of some like museum or something i think yeah the guggenheim and he gives a speech and he calls annie up and she's supposed to read something he's like there's a speech for you on the teleprompter which is supposed to say like daddy stacks is the greatest man ever and annie gets mad and runs away and daddy stacks chases after him he's like annie what's wrong and i was like well she's mad because she realizes that you're just using her for publicity and she thinks that you're exploiting her and don't love her for real and instead annie's like i can't read it was like oh okay that 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 wasn't why I thought that was happening. Um, uh, yeah. And then at the end, when you have the the reunion after they get her back from the quote unquote kidnappers, you know, she does give that speech. Maybe that's why they threw in the not being able to read thing, because otherwise they'd have to get rid of the whole song that she sang before then. If they're and, you know, you don't want to have the, you don't have someone learn the same lesson twice in one movie, you know, mm. that's a good point. Um yeah, the, the end because she is she is giving that speech at a liter, the Daddy Stacks literacy center. So apparently she learned to read in the interim, which yeah. indicates that she it's not like she had a learning disability or something preventing her from reading. She just never bothered to learn, even though she no. goes to school. Because like <laughs> it would have made sense if like if Miss Hannigan just didn't send her to school. You know, because yeah. she does cause... go to school. I mean, don't the all the all the uh, orphans go to school, right? I presume, presumably, they do. Um, this, this, okay. I'll say another thing. One other thing about this film. Um, 
the th one of the things that bothered me about the original the 80s version of annie was like what happens to the other orphans and we have that same problem in this one i mean i guess since miss hannigan reforms it's like maybe she'll be nice to them but like that's you know it again it doesn't really come up so i guess sucks to be them yeah now my only other um, real comments are on the just the production values because i mean you have the mm -hmm. diegetic sounds that were making that were part of the music at some time and that was cool but actually this is probably why they didn't go all the way with it because the kids the kids singing is clearly recorded in a studio it's not like it's not folded to be taking place in an apartment or anything. So if you're so it really kind of showed when you have the snaps and they're echoing off the walls and then the kids are speaking again, you know, clearly singing against a, a wall of foam sound. So, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, also, you know, what? something else that was very 2014 about this movie? Auto tune. Oh, yeah, that was big. That's big yeah. at the time. I don't know if good it ever went away or if it just got good enough that we don't notice anymore. No, probably. You know, I'm sure every I'm sure all all music is just done by AI at this point and we don't know. <laughs> Everyone yeah, is sharing uh, Apple. You just give a you just give a prompt like, you know, rock music three, four time, uh, sounds like Elvis Presley, you know, popular on YouTube, and then he just spits it out for you. Oh my god, you know, you're not you're not wrong. I bet that that that's happening if it has to uh already so ugh, what a world um anyway in a few years they'll just be like want to make a new annie movie ai annie movie um <laughs> just annie uh movie, cameron diaz uh yeah <laughs> jamie it. fox yeah. annie as annie as cameron no cameron diaz as annie <laughs> <laughs> drunk <laughs> oh my god uh all right so that's annie 2014 um i guess uh where would you put it if you had to rank all the annies if i want to rank all the annies this is we've only seen this is the third annie thing we've done i would put it i would put it at the second because it's i think it is overall better than the other one even if there are some things i prefer about the 1982 version but the the cartoon one is just you know such a mind blower. <laughs> yeah, know, it was, yeah. It was like it was like Peter Rabbit, you know. Yeah, I mean that that cartoon was just <laughs> that was something else. <laughs> and that's the only animated Annie thing. <laughs> that's so weird, considering yeah. how long Annie's been around that they've never, you know, tried again. But yeah, I, I mean, it seems like, yeah. I, Annie does not seem like the kind of thing that they would naturally gravitate toward uh, live action with. But yeah. then at the same time, we have this kind of Wizard of Oz problem with Annie where people just keep retelling their the origin over and over. And there's all these other adventures that have never been you know committed to film. So, how, yeah, well, I guess there's the one there's the sequel to the uh, 1982 movie. Oh, is that the one where she meets the queen or something? Yeah, we should have a look at that one. Hey, maybe we'll do that next week. Well, tune in next week for Annie Meets Queen. The sun will come out next week. 